Hey, Connection Point Church, welcome to the final sermon in our series, Normal Wasn't Working Anyway. And I'm excited about this one because this one is the last sermon of the series. It's the last day of the month. This is the perfect day to look forward to summer, to look forward to a new month, and really to look forward to the new normal. Now, when we talk about the new normal, some of us have uh, kind of, you may be where I'm at, and that is you're kind of ready to move on. We're ready to just kind of get there. And so this sermon, really what I want to do is I want us to just dream together. Now, before we get into the message, I do want to introduce our studio congregation today. We have, uh, we've divided it uh, girls and guys today, and we're going to play Red Rover later. But we've got uh, Beth and Teresa on the girls' side, and then representing the men, we've got Chance and Connor today. So I'm glad that they're here. And of course, they represent you. I'll be asking questions, and whenever I ask a question, they'll answer here. And then you can also put it in the chat, and you can let us know um, what you're thinking and how you can interact with the text. Now, one of the things that I've noticed is that there's some of us that aren't quite ready to return to normal, but one of the things that I really have felt in all of my conversations is that most of us, we want things to return kind of to the way they are. We want to be able to go to, to restaurants again and movies and not have fear and all of those things. But we also want to make sure that this time was worth it. We want to make sure that we learned some lessons. And that's really what this series has been about. And, and today, I think we're going to talk about what might be the biggest lesson of all. And we want to make sure that when we come out uh, of, of this season that we're in, that we have a, a life in which we have, have learned some new things. And so the first thing I want to ask you today is, what have you been learning? And so we're going to go to, y'all say it with me. Put it in the chat. There we go. Yes, that's my dream come true. The, the, the first um, put it in the chat that we want to ask today is this. Is there a new endeavor or a new hobby that you want to begin or maybe that you have already begun? Is there some new skill that you want to learn and you've kind of sat back and said, you know, I've got a little more time. I'm going to start. I'm going to learn this. And so I'm going to ask y'all, first of all, um, what have y'all been learning? Is there a new endeavor that y'all have? I'll start with you, Connor. All right, so Connor has been drawing a lot, getting in touch with his artsy side. I like that. And uh, also working on your teaching certificate. That's pretty awesome. Chance, what about you, man? Building stuff, woodworking. I've seen some of the, the pictures, and I've been impressed. So that's pretty cool. That's a great skill to pick up during this as well. Teresa? Um, I learned how to play chess, and I'm relearning how to make quilts. Teresa has learned. She's learning how to play chess, and she's relearning uh, new ways, I guess, to, to quilt, which is something all of us should endeavor to do. Um, she's learning how to be a 90-year-old woman. That's what we've pretty much decided for Teresa. Um, not that she is. She's way far away from that. Beth, how about you? Um, I've been quilting for a little bit, so I decided to take on a new technique. All right. So Beth has also been quilting, and she is going to learn. She's been learning some new techniques in quilting. So not only is it the lady's side, but it's also the quilting side. That's good to know. You know, for me, one of the things that I have picked up again is the guitar. I've been learning some new songs on the guitar and really just putting in a little bit of practice because I've noticed with some of my downtime, I just have this opportunity. And I thought, you know what? I would love to begin playing the guitar again. And so 
as we, we think about the, the new things that we want to, to do and the way that we want to be different on the other side of this current experience of the coronavirus and COVID-19, we want to make ourselves better. We want to make sure that we come out of this um, with, with sharper skills. And what I hope we come out of this, even more than just maybe uh, some self-improvement, is I would love for the bigger picture of our lives to be a lot more in focus. And so today we're going to talk about living on mission. And we're going to specifically look at three areas of your life that I think we could have a new normal. We're going to look at our money, we're going to look at our ministry, and we're going to look at the mission, the overall zoom out of our life. And we're going to look at a story that many of us have heard before. In fact, you can't hear the, the main character's name in this without singing a song. We're going to talk about Zacchaeus today, okay? Now, how many of y'all, y'all know the song, right? If you've ever heard, Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. Now, when I think about Zacchaeus, I want to show you a picture of a tree, okay? I went to Israel last year with John Williams, and we were driving by in our tour bus, and our tour guide starts pointing out the window when we're going through Jericho, which Jericho is one of the oldest cities, if not the oldest city in the world. There's even a sign that says oldest city in the world when you go through it. As we're driving by, there's a sycamore tree, and our guide starts pointing out the window, and we're in the bus, and so we all look out, and he said, hey, that's Zacchaeus's tree. That's the tree that Zacchaeus climbed up on. And our bus goes by, and we're like, wait, wait, that seems important. We want to see that tree. And uh, we drive by it, and there are some people standing around it, uh, and, and, but we didn't stop. We just went by it, and I start thinking, wow, that's pretty cool. Every time I think about Zacchaeus now, I think of this tree. Unfortunately, I did a little research. Most sycamore trees only last about 400, at the oldest, 400 years, and so we probably were, he was probably pulling our leg. That's probably not Zacchaeus's tree, but now every single time that I hear the word Zacchaeus, I have this visualization of this tree and what it would have looked like, and imagining Jesus walking down. This is the main road in Jericho, and Zacchaeus climbing up this tree and just looking down to get a glimpse of Jesus, because that's what happens in Luke chapter 19. In Luke chapter 19, Jesus is walking through Jericho, and, and people began to hear he's coming. And so imagine people at this rail, which obviously wasn't there, and they're, they're looking and they want to see Jesus. And this short man, this, this wee little man, climbs up and he wants to see Jesus. Now, this man did not have a great reputation. In fact, he was a tax collector. He had probably taken advantage of many of the people around. But imagine the surprise of all the people when Jesus, this rabbi, this teacher, this, this man who really was a man of God, looks up into the tree and he asks Zacchaeus, he says, Zacchaeus, I'm going to come to your house. And Zacchaeus is astonished. And we're going to pick it up in verse 7 because I want to start off with, with the crowd's reaction. And this is what happens in verse 7. It says, and when they, that is the crowds, saw it, when they saw that Jesus was talking to this tax collector, this ungodly man, this man that was far from God, when they saw it, they all grumbled. Some say that they muttered. You know, anytime that you think that you, God might be doing something in your heart, it's always important to remember that the crowds are often going to mutter. If you come out of this saying, you know what, I have a new vision of my life. If you look to the next few months and weeks and you say, you know what, God's been doing something in my life. I really think that, that maybe I have a, a greater purpose than where I have. Maybe you've had time to kind of evaluate your life and you say, you know what, this job that I'm in, that might not be the long-term place that God is calling me to. 
there's always going to be people that are going to grumble. They're going to murmur and say, wait a second. God's not supposed to do that. This is what they say. He has gone to be in the, the guest of a man who is a sinner. This godly man has gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. But really, that's what starts off this entire story, this process, this life-changing mission that's given to Zacchaeus. In verse 8, it goes on. It says, And Zacchaeus stood there. He stood and he said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. He goes on to say, And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he is also a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Now the framework of this story is what I want to talk to you about. Because there are three things, at least three things that I saw in this story as I was reading it that really impacted the, the way that I'm looking at the future right now personally. The way that God is speaking to me about the future. And it has to do a new normal for our money, for our ministry, and our mission. And I want to ask three questions today to kind of kick us off, because what we're going to learn today is we're going to learn three mindset moves to live a life on mission. Three ways that we're going to move our mindset. We're going to shift our thinking. And if we do this, I believe that we can live a life that's, that's not just self-fulfilling, but one that is on the mission that God called us to. And so the first thing I want to talk to you about is a mindset on money. And I want to ask you this question. What do you hold in your hands? What do you hold in your hands? You know, Zacchaeus was holding a lot in his hands. He had a lot of money. He had a lot of things that he was in control of. And in fact, I think that one of the reasons that Jesus stops and looks at Zacchaeus is because of the potential that Zacchaeus had. Zacchaeus had potential because he had control of a lot of things. He was, he was blessed with a lot of things, a lot of money that he was controlling. And I think that when Jesus saw what, what he was managing, the amount of money he had, the, the material possessions he had, I think Jesus said, imagine the potential of Zacchaeus if he were to, to begin to, to have a mindset move with his money. You know, one of the things as we have gone through this COVID crisis situation is that many of us have realized that uh, our money, we either we've been prepared with our money or some of us have realized, you know what, I was not prepared with my money. You know, some of us uh, as a church, we went and we asked several people that have lost jobs. In fact, some of us in this very room have been furloughed or lost jobs. And we went and we, we wanted to make sure that everybody was okay. And it was amazing that we had a lot of people who said, you know what, even despite the fact that I've been furloughed or I've lost my job, you know what, I've, made, I've managed my money in a way that I'm okay right now. But then there are some of us that maybe as we've been crunched a little financially, we begin to look around and say, you know what, I need to live a little differently. I need to manage my, my money a little differently. I wasn't quite prepared for this. Now, I want you to think about this. Jesus asked him, uh, Jesus asked Zacchaeus a question. He asked a question about, uh, or, or, uh, he, when he asked Zacchaeus to, to come to his house, or he, he is asked to go to Zacchaeus' house, Zacchaeus makes a mindset move, okay? And here's the mindset move that I want, I want you to see is that we must view our money as a reflection of our spiritual condition. 
we must view our money as a reflection of our spiritual condition. We see this in Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus is able to give fourfold immediately. He's, he's immediately able to give fourfold anything he has taken from somebody. Now, I want you to think about right now, what if God were to call you to give fourfold or to give twofold? Or for some of us, maybe you're not giving anything and just giving halffold would be a lot. But, but are you in a position, the way that you are managing your money, the way that you are holding the things that you are holding, the way you're managing the things you've been given by God, are you in a position right now to give those things to God, to, to, really, to really be useful to God? I think the potential of Zacchaeus was because even, even though he, he was far from God in his mindset, just the fact that he had managed shrewdly. You know, Jesus actually commends a, a money manager who is not righteous but he is managing his money shrewdly. Jesus says that, that that shrewdness is going to be rewarded. How much more so when we are righteous. But he sees Zacchaeus, and even if his heart is far from God, the potential is in the fact that he is managing his money well. And he's able to give fourfold. I think as Christ followers, we need to, to really have a mindset move. Of my money is not for me. My money instead is a reflection of my spiritual condition. This is what I mean. Most of us, when we think about how we manage our money, it, it would look something like this. We, we have money that we live on, and, it, and some of us, we try to save a little bit more. And if we have anything left over, we give. But did you know, as Christ followers, we're called to a, a different way to give. Everywhere we, when the Bible talks about giving, it always talks about giving first. There's even terms for it. We give the first fruits. We give first. And in fact, the way that a Christian gives is this. We give, then we save, and then we live. And you might be thinking, that seems backwards. That seems like a backwards way to live. If I do that, what if I don't have enough for the next iPhone upgrade? What if I don't have enough? And the truth is, you may not. But as Christ followers, we, we, we have a different mindset. We must view our money as a reflection of our spiritual condition, and we give first. We save second. Saving is actually an important part, but before we ever think of ourselves to live on, we have to make those two decisions. I want to show you a verse when it comes to saving. It says, a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children, but a sinner's wealth is laid up for the righteous. What I want you to see in this verse is not only does it talk about saving for the future generations, but look at the language in this verse. This verse, the language is spiritual language. It, it, it's a reflection of our condition tied to our money. It says that a good man, you're, it's a good thing to have an inheritance. That is that you've saved money. You've been wise with your money. And, and if you are a sinner's wealth, this is not just talking about somebody, you know, who's rebelling against God. It actually puts a, a, a sinful spin on those who are frivolous with our wealth. Some, those of us that view our money as for ourselves. It says that if you view your wealth for yourself, if you are spending it like a sinner selfishly, eventually you know where that money is going to end up? It's going to be laid up for the righteous. It's going to end up in the pockets of those who are being righteous with their money, who are being wise with their money. 
And so for us, if we want to live a, a life that, of impact, one of the things we have to realize is we have to realize that God has put certain things that we into our hands, and we are holding things in our hand, and we need to ask that question. What are we holding in our hands? I hope that this mindset will, will open up some, some opportunities for you because look what it does for Zacchaeus. This leads us to our second mindset shift, or our second question, actually. And this is on the ministry of Zacchaeus. The ministry, and, and the way we find our ministry is we ask this question. Where do you open your hands? And so we have some things in our hands. God has put some things in our hands. But the second question is, where do you open your hands? Let's look at, back at verse 8. In verse 8, it says, Zacchaeus stood and he said to the Lord, Behold, the half of my goods I give to the poor. In other words, Zacchaeus stood there and he had all of this money. And I just picture him raising his hands and kind of opening his hands. And with this mental picture, he starts just like that. He starts a homeless ministry. He starts a poor ministry, a ministry to the poor, maybe a food pantry. All of these ministries start as soon as Zacchaeus opens his hands. He takes what was given to him, what he was managing, and as Jesus changes his heart, he opens his hands. You know, I think this is one of the most powerful things that we can learn as we look to the future. How are we going to make an impact in our life? How are we going to leave a legacy with our life? Maybe we've sat around a little bit and thought, you know, what is, what is this really worth? You know, maybe my job isn't as fulfilling or, or it's not as important as I thought it was. Maybe if there's, you're learning that there are some things about your life that don't quite settle well. What could a new normal be? A life on mission. What would that look like? It starts with you taking what's in your hand and saying, where am I going to open my hands? Now, I just want to, to make this point that sometimes when we talk about, hey, where are you opening your hands? Where are you giving is another way to say it. You know, where do you really give generously? Sometimes we're, we're tempted to say things like, well, you know, my main ministry is my family. My main ministry is my kids. And that sounds great. But I just want to point out that, that for a Christian, our mission and our ministry is bigger than just our family and our friends and just our, our, our uh, kids and our spouses. Um, that's kind of what we would consider a Christian duty, okay? If you are a Christian, of course, I think of, uh, of Chris Rock or Michael Scott. Uh, you know, you're supposed to. What you want, a cookie? Everyone's looking at me like, like I'm crazy. You're supposed to take care of your family. We recognize that. You're supposed, okay, when I'm preaching, you can't put your hands in. You can't shame me this close when there's only four of us in the room. Come on. And y'all, I see all of y'all right now looking at me in shame. Okay, now, when we think about our ministry, it's bigger than just your family. Those are the things that we're, all of us are called to take care of our family. But we're also called to open our hands to the community, to our neighbors and the people around us. We are, when we talk about being a light, that's mean, that means that we are opening our hands of generosity the things that God has entrusted us to. And I just want you to think about the impact that we have in this church. It's all started when, when people have opened their hands, when they've said, you know, I have time, I'll give it. I've got money, I'll give it. I was thinking about some of the, the impactful ministries that we have flowing out of this church. Uh, some of them, I think of the foster and adopting uh, ministries of just 
families in our, in our church that say, I, I'm going to support adoption. I'm going to foster. Uh, Joey is trying to show us all up right now and adopts a kid this week just because he knew I was preaching on it. And so uh, it's, it's amazing that, that just the, the ministry, when somebody says, I have a passion about this, but I'm going to give it. I thought about the kids' ministry, the greeting ministry, all of the church ministry. You know that counts. That makes an impact when you give of your time. That's a big deal. Some of the other ministries for, for me that I was thinking about, um, anytime somebody goes on a mission trip, that's a ministry. That's them giving their time and their money. Um, for me, a few years ago, I spent two years serving with refugees in Dallas, and it was just an opportunity for a season in which I had a great opportunity. I have some time on my hand, and I had a couple of relationships that were doing this, and I thought, you know what, I'm going to give my time towards this. You know, there's a, a great example um, that, uh, that we have right here in this room, Chance uh, Samson has, has just, if you followed him on Instagram, you should, I'm told, I haven't been, been doing this, but he started a ministry. And uh, in one sentence, uh, tell us what that, that ministry that God's put on your heart. All right, so what, one of the things that, that Chance has started doing, making a ministry, is he buys old cars, and he says crappy cars. He buys old cars that are, that are, are junkers, basically. He fixes them up. And, and then he's going to give them away. That's the plan. And this is something that, that God put on his heart. But understand, it starts with what he has. He has relationships with uh, rich and other people that can fix cars. And then finding the cars. It, it all starts when we open our hands and say, you know what? I have the time. I have the capacity. I want to start a ministry. Your ministry comes out of the things that God has put in your hand. And so that's why it's, it's important that we manage our time. We, we manage what's in our hand. We, we manage our money well because our ministry comes when we open our hands. All right, so this leads us to the next, everyone's favorite uh, part of my sermons, and that is the next, uh, put it in the chat. What person or ministry has impacted your life at a special time? Now, what I mean by that is that um, many of us have seasons that are hard where we need God to move. We need somebody to speak into us. And it's almost always at those times where these ministries that have always been going seem to speak right to us at the right time. I know for me, I've had uh, a couple of, of times where that's happened. One of the times that that happened is when we were in the process of adopting. We were uh, still waiting to adopt um, Annie. We were adopting International from Ethiopia. And so there were so many questions that I had. And I was given a lot of books to read, and all of these books kind of scared me. They talked about the, the complications from, that can happen when you adopt. They talked about attachment uh, issues and all of these things. But I went to this ministry called Tapestry, and I saw this uh, beautiful Ethiopian uh, girl speak. And she talked about the impact that she had had in her life. Uh, of being adopted, how it had changed her life, and, and how she, it had given her vision for her life. And it just encouraged me so much at that time that, that I, I always look back on our adoption process at that moment when that ministry spoke right to me. Now, I'm going to ask y'all, has there uh, been opportunities or times where y'all have been impacted by a mission or a ministry or maybe a person who just was living a ministry? They'd open their hands to you. Beth, I'm going to give you a chance. Beth says me, okay? I prompted her and I paid her to say it. That's okay. No, oh, go ahead. Before I was a member of the church, she came and prayed for me, and I was having a 
Right. So Beth uh, was diagnosed with colon cancer, and this was before she was a member of our church. And I heard about that, and it, it just struck me that this was something that I had the time, I had the capacity, this is some, some place I needed to be. So I just went and I prayed. All I did was pray with her and followed up with her a little bit. Um, but that was an, an example. So I'm glad that I can, it's good for the pastor every once in a while to be the godly example, I would say. Okay. Um, Teresa, how about you? Okay. So her, her daughter Taylor was uh, in middle school. She was a part of a middle school ministry that was led by Megan Williams. And that little seed, that little group uh, eventually led um, her and her husband Mike to become a part of the church. And so just that little investment of Megan investing in uh, to your family paid big dividends. That was a big deal. Chance, how about you? Okay, so Chance uh, said there's a, a Christian uh, um, music label that has a lot of hardcore bands and bands that have just made an impact in his life, and so that's good. Connor? Uh, Hollis Ministry, the people that I left that just tore me to me. Yeah, so... Connor says uh, college ministry, his college ministry, there were just people at the right time that poured into him and that makes a huge difference. And, you know, I would agree with Connor. My college ministry changed my life as well. The, the people I met at the right time in college looking forward. And so, as you can see, ministry is really, when we open our hands, that is a big deal. That is a lot of times how God uses us. I want to show you uh, this verse. It's Psalm uh, 145, 16. And it says this. This uh, When I, I was looking through several verses on this topic, this one struck me. It's talking about God. It says, God, he opens his hands and satisfies the desire of every living thing. The reason that we live lives that are blessed at all is because God has shared with us. He has opened his hands to us. And therefore, therefore, whenever we talk about opening our hands or, or ministering to others, really what we're talking about is just following what God has already told us to do. The last question is this. Where are you raising your hands? Now, I know that in our church, it's, we're not always the, um, the raising the hands. We don't always feel the spirit to where we raise our hands. Some of us do always feel this spirit, and you feel like you can't. I want to give you permission. You can raise your hands. And this is what I mean when we say raise our hands, okay? Are there any areas sometimes where it's not just a, hey, I'm going to, to open my hand to this ministry, but to where I'm going to raise my hands and declare over an area, my ministry is going to make an impact, and I'm not going to leave this area until my ministry has taken Root, Because one of the things I love about this story of Zacchaeus is I, I honestly, I picture him going out and, and opening his hands and raising his hands and just telling anyone I've defrauded, I'm going to repay fourfold. And if you are poor, half of what I, I have, I'm going to give to you. This is going to now be a place where whenever you're in need, you can come to Zacchaeus's house. And Zacchaeus is going to be in a place where those who, who are in need, their needs will be met. And what I love is that immediately, immediately after Zacchaeus makes this declaration, Jesus tells us in the, in the verse that uh, many people say, many scholars will say that if you were to take one verse from the entire uh, New Testament, one verse from, the, from all of the Gospels, and, and if you were to summarize the ministry of Jesus, 
It would be in the story of Zacchaeus when Jesus says, the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. That is the mission of Jesus. And what I love is as soon as Zacchaeus starts his ministry, he opens his hands and he says, hey, this is where this place is going to be. Jesus attaches his mission to Zacchaeus's ministry. Here's the mindset shift that I want us to see. What you care about, you have to be willing to give away, okay? What you care about, you have to be willing. I think it was the one before that is what I meant to say. Sorry, that was my mess up. Go to the right before that. Because what we see in Zacchaeus is, it says this, is that your greatest legacy occurs when Jesus attaches his ministry or his mission to your ministry. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. And that's what makes any ministry powerful is when you say like Zacchaeus, you know what I can give. And all of a sudden giving wasn't just a way to take care of people. All of a sudden giving was a way to show people the love of Christ. It's one thing to give away a car, but when you attach it to the mission of Jesus, all of a sudden people find that it's not just a way in which they can get to work. All of a sudden it becomes a way in which they can say, you know what? God takes care of my needs. I, I, today, uh, I got three emails from our, our churches in Peru, our pastors in Peru, and it was videos. I'm going to put them on, on social media uh, that you can see. But what was interesting about that is that it was from people who were receiving different uh, bags of food. And, and one of the comments that was made is, I know that God exists because I got this bag of food. That's a powerful idea that you have this simple ministry and you attach it to Jesus's mission and all of a sudden it becomes impactful. You begin to have a legacy. Now, when we talk about living a life on mission, I hear that a lot. I want to live a life on mission. When we talk about living a life on mission, what we're not talking about is goals. You know, I want to achieve a goal. I want to be someone who becomes a doctor. I want to be someone who does, you know, this thing or that thing. Because Goals are great, but a goal is for me. You know, I want to lose some weight. I want to get buff. I want to do this or that. That's for me. But a mission is for others. A mission impacts others, okay? So now we'll go to the mindset shift, okay? The mindset shift um, that we're going to look up is this, is that I live on a mission. Now, I want you to think about this, this just tweak in the way when you wake up in the morning. Many of us right now, we may, you know, some of us in my own family, by the way, ask me, start the day by asking me what day it is. What day is it? And you may be kind of living in that mindset right now. What day is it? But I want to encourage us as we move into a new month, we move into a new season where we're looking to reopen, we're looking to, to forward to what God is going to do at Connection Point Church and in our cities. What if we were to wake up and say, you know what, I live on a mission. I have Money that's been given to me. I have things that God has put in my hand. I have opportunities to open those hands so that I can have a ministry. It may be a ministry where I'm taking food to somebody in the church or somebody that's in need, but I have ministry. And if I attach that to Jesus's mission, then all of a sudden I'm living a life on mission. And that is going to, in my opinion, the number one thing that you can come out of this, I, I see this time right now as if we're all in these little cocoons and, and we're going to come out as beautiful butterflies. We're going to come out though, ready to live a life on mission. I hope that part of what God is doing is preparing us to live a life 
on mission where, where our ministry is attached to the fact that we can show people the love of God. And here's the last question I want to ask us. And our last, put it in the chat. What is one thing our church could be uh, could become um, known for in our cities? What in the greater Wiley area, what could we become known for if 1,000%, if, one, if all of, of us in the church came out of this with, you know what, I want to live a life on mission. I want to open my hands, and I actually want to live my ministry out and, and affect the people in my community. What could our church become known for? I want you to put that in the chat, and I'm going to ask you guys as well. Beth, what do you think our church could become known for? We could be, and this is a big part. She said for being, uh, we could become known as a family and not just being a church. I think a lot of people, when they think about church, they think about an institution or they think about just a building. For it's one thing that we could really show people. It's, hey, church is a family. Church is a place when, when the, the crisis hits, we're going to be there for one another. We're going to love one another. That's a great answer. What else? What could our church become known for, Teresa? Discipleship. That's good. We've got, I mean, we want to be a place where we do exactly what Jesus has, has told us. It's about other people. Becoming a disciple, we talked about this uh, last week. When we're a disciple, remember, that means that we are training trainers. We are training other people. We could become a church that's known for investing in others and teaching them to do the same. That's great. Chance, what about you? Sincerity. Sincerity, okay. Expand on that. What do you mean? Like we're not putting up any fronts or like pretending to be. You know what? Where authenticity over artificial. That could be a great, that's great. He said sincerity. And so sincerity is a great thing. A, a church where we are, we are real. When we struggle, we're open with one another. When, when we uh, have challenges, we're open and we, and we ask for help and we allow others to minister to us. I think that is a great vision for our church. That's a great mission for our church. Connor, you have anything? Be light. I think that uh, if there's a, one way we could sum up really what we've tried to do this year is to be light. When people see our church, people are encouraged and say there's something different about those people because they're living on mission. So this is what I want to challenge us to do as we leave. I want you to think about your neighborhood. I want you to think about maybe your city, wherever it is that you live, that you live and maybe where, where God has been calling you. And I just want to encourage you this week, at some point, and this may be unusual, it may look weird, I, at some point I want to encourage you to raise your hands around your neighborhood, around your city, and, and just begin to declare, you know what, this is a place that for the future I'm going to attach whatever ministry I'm given. I'm going to attach it to the mission of Jesus, and we will not leave. You know, in our church, that's one of the things we've done. We've declared uh, Peru is one of the places that we have said, you know what, we're going to be in Peru, and, and, and we've raised our hands over certain cities right now over Arequipa. You know, in my life, I've raised my hands over Ethiopia. When I brought my daughter home, I, one of the things that I said is my hands will never leave Ethiopia. We will always have a ministry there. But, but lately, we've been focused on our city, the city of Wiley. The reason that we have relocated our church here and everything is because we want to raise our hands over these, this city and all of the greater Wiley area. And we want to say the mission of Jesus is now our mission. Every ministry we have is so that his name can become great. So when you wake up tomorrow, I, I encourage you, go outside and declare this day and declare this place, a place that we will live on 
mission. Connection Point Church, I, I hope that you are looking forward to the new normal. Next week, we're starting a new series on one of the most overlooked books in the Bible, the book of Ecclesiastes. And it's going to be called, the, the series that we're about to begin it is going to be called, um, I forgot what I was going to call it. Um, it, uh, it is uh, for a limited time only. That's going to be the name of the series. And we're going to be talking all about our life purpose in the limited amount of time that we've been given. And this book, I promise you, is going to change your life. It's the most, I would say it's the most real book in the Bible when it comes to just the authenticity of the author and what he's going through. I hope that you're going to join us there. And I hope, I hope that you will live a life on mission this week because we have work to do as a church. Let's pray. Lord, right now we raise our hands. We declare to you that you have put so much into our lives, so much blessing into our hands. Lord, we want to open our hands and, and begin to pour out and to give back what you have given to us. We want to, to manage our stuff, the things that you have entrusted to us, not as if it's our own, but we want it to reflect you. So, Lord, I pray that you'll give us the encouragement, the, the motivation to open our hands. And, Lord, as we open our hands, let us not do it so that people will look at us, so that people will begin to say, wow, aren't they great people? Instead, we want to, to attach our mission to yours, Lord. We hope that by our generosity, by us simply sharing the blessings that you have given us, we pray that your name will be made great and that you can do exactly what you said you'd do, that you can seek and save the lost, that those who may be far from you will see in us a glimpse and we can be the light that they need to find you. Lord, I pray that a new normal for us is not the old normal. It's not the lackadaisical, the apathy. Lord, instead, I pray we move towards the remarkable. Lord, I pray you will do a work in this church this week so that our passion, not just for our families and friends, but for our passion for our community will overflow and we will live on mission. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.